Welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. In this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about Gary Kahn. Just got back from Gary Kahn a couple days ago. I am uh, recording this on Saturday. After the con, which ended actually almost a week ago, I decided to stay in Lake Geneva for a couple of days. I mean, I didn't just decide. I had planned it, which was very nice, and then took a couple of days to drive home because I decided to drive this year. After last year, uh, the con, I don't know if they're still that way, but the price of rental cars and flights and stuff were just so expensive that I just kind of evaluated and realized that it would be way cheaper if I drove, including taking the extra days and staying in hotels. It would just be cheaper and I could have a longer vacation and bringing my car, I'd have you know room, which is one of the reasons why I ran a bunch of miniatures games. I know I spoke a little bit about prepping for my games in a previous podcast. I did a podcast the other day, Friday as it would be, so it'll come out next week, hopefully uh, with KR over on Monsters and Treasure. And we talk kind of generally about Gary Khan and how awesome it is. So I thought in this case, I would talk a little bit specifically about the games I ran and kind of any insight and changes and thoughts I have about those games. So I'm just going to kind of work my way through the, the con starting at the first day and we'll go from there. So as I said, I went in. If you're ever planning on going to Gary Con, if you can, it's always nice to stay right in the Grand Geneva Resort. If you stay right in the building, it the it's like a big party. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean that like it's scary, but you're just everybody you're immersed in it which is super nice and again i talk about that more with kr so but if you're in town i stayed in a hotel called the cove which i definitely recommend very very cool hotel full kitchen just a nice place to kind of chill if you want to like make your own food and stuff which is so there you go that and end commercial for the cove but let's get to it so this is the second year now um i got i was told at gary con this year by a friend of mine that uh, if it happens for three years in a row it's a tradition. So right now it's not a tw- tradition, but it will be next year when we do it. We played Iron and Ale. So I on Wednesday night is usually the night everybody's kind of arriving. The The lobby bar is filling up. And last year I brought with me a dwarven drinking game. It's a card game. You gather around with a bunch of friends and some drinks and you, <laughs> you draw cards and you can roll some dice to fight some monsters. But really the highlight of the game for me is the contest. You do things like Everybody gets on their knees and does a race across the room to see who's the fastest. You do push-up contests. You do uh, belching contests, poetry and insult contests, beard contests. It's, it's just really fun, you know. So you effectively draw a card and it'll say something like, have a Dwarven, you know, an insult contest with somebody. Then you choose somebody you want to do it with. And depending on who wins, they get the card. Once again this year, I lost terribly, but uh, that's okay. I'm not much of a dwarf, I guess. <laughs> But it's super fun. Met some really nice guys there last year. They joined again. They brought a friend. Some other people I had met online and played as well. We had a big group. And luckily, I had the expansion pack because we had to bust into it and add one more dwarf. So it was really fun. If you are go to GaryCon next year and you're there Wednesday night, come hang out. <laughs> really, really fun. So jumping into the actual con, I did play a game on Thursday morning, The Thing, Infection, Netto, Post, 81 or 31 somebody who loves the thing is gonna tell me it's gonna be upset their ears are like Wah! whichever it is it was a really fun little board game that was fun but i want to mostly focus on the games i ran so let me jump right to thursday night where i ran walking dead all out war i think i talked a little bit about this before but it's effectively a miniatures game you are the survivors from the walking dead they use the comic book version not the tv show version so it's a little different 
I'm not familiar with the comic, but it's close enough apparently because I knew who the characters were and so did everybody else. The game itself can be played a lot of different ways as far as like the scenarios, like it comes with a couple of them when you buy the box set. And there's also like an anthology of adventures you can buy. And they tell you how to make your own. And that's what I did. I created six <laughs> scenarios, not really understanding or knowing how long they would take with new players and teaching them the game. And we did two. And it was perfect because I did them each self-contained. And they knew that. I mean, I, I told them up front. So it wasn't like they felt like they didn't finish the game. I We ran the first one. It was super fun. We had two hours left. I said we could probably run one more scenario. I have these things that you guys could do. They picked the one they wanted. And they did it and had a lot of success. Really, really fun game. Apparently, it's not made anymore. I will try to find a copy on Amazon because I think that they're still selling it, but you got to get it soon, right? I'll see if I can find it there still, and I'll put a link if you're interested in checking it out. Otherwise, you might have to hit the used market like eBay or something if you want to get it. I got mine at the local game store in New York City, The Complete Strategist, and I bought a bunch of extra accessories for it, but they're basically running out of accessories <laughs> because, as I said, it's not in production anymore, but really fun game. And what I like about it is that it's not just like a game that you, you know, you can play a bunch of times over and over again and you have different results because people do different things, but you can pretty easily, as I did, create your own scenarios. So super fun game, totally recommend it. Friday morning, I played the game that I was kind of looking forward to a lot, but was uh, really curious how it worked out. I played the Star Frontiers. So last year, I think it was last year, at Gary Khan, I played in a Star Frontiers game and it was really fun, but I think I said this in the podcast, it kind of felt like D&D in space. Like it didn't feel different than running any other game that I've run. And of course I didn't, I was playing, not running. I should make that clear. I played last year. I ran this year. So I had found this module, Trouble on Janus, which was a competition module from the 80s, from, from I think Total Con. And I had read through it and it wasn't perfect. And I actually have seen some negative reviews on it, but it felt like a bunch of combat scenarios. And I thought, you know, Star Frontiers is much like Boot Hill. It comes with maps with squares on it and little chits where you move your guys around. And the basic game anyways is measured out in squares. So I thought to myself, this could actually be kind of like almost a skirmish game if I run it that way, you know, with some role playing. So of course, that's how I wrote it up in the Gary Khan, uh, you know, I was gonna say flyer, but you know, the online thing where you set up your games. And yeah, people played. We had a great time. I made um, I made the miniatures. I made the miniatures out of Shrinky Dinks, which I got the idea from a few years back at GaryCon. I played in Dungeon World, and the MC for that game had used Shrinky Dink, and he basically like I had a thief, so I had a T with almost like in like a little shield, like a little uh, like a crest, I guess for lack of a better word. And they made the Shrinky Dink, and then they kind of bent it around so it would stand up on its own. They gave us each one of those as kind of a little. Uh, token to move our character around with, and we got to keep them at the end. I did something similar, except I used a the Shrinky Dink paper that prints onto, or from, I should say, an inkjet printer. I'll say this. I used the off-brand Shrinky Dink, and it said, <laughs> I can't remember what it said, but it said the same as what the Shrinky Dink paper says as far as what it was, because it's clear, and then there's, like, frosted, right? And in Shrinky Dink, if you get clear or you get frosted, frosted is like a little bit harder to see through, but it's clear. It's just like, it's frosted. It's exactly what you would think it was. Like 80% clear. This was 100% opaque. <laughs> it was also like, you know, a fifth of the price. So I can't really complain. So the only thing that sucked about it is that the Shrinky Dinks were only one-sided. So I was a little, had to be careful about how we moved the miniatures. But I basically found some fun art online 
printed them out on the shrinking paper, shrunk it down, and I bought these little tiny bases on Amazon. And so they really feel like paper minis, I guess. And I created a whole bunch of minis, and we had a fun game. Everybody was really great in the game. A lot of great players. This was one of two games where, maybe three games, where most of the group were all friends that all joined the game together, which I thought was really cool. I've My kind of version of this, uh, I've already written up, and I think I made it available to the Patreons. If not, and you're a Patreon, you're going to get a copy of it soon. You could totally run it without minis, but I think it works kind of cool as a skirmish game. A lot, a lot of fun. They, they I had playtested this one, and... They did nothing that the playtester did, and it was great. It was super fun. Everybody enjoyed it, as I said. That night, I played a game that I've been running. Like I think it may be one of the first games I ever ran, at least the title of it, which is the uh, which is the Doom that came to Sarnath. The Doom that came to Sarnath is my probably my favorite Lovecraft story. Uh, Polaris is also up there. You can find it on Goodreads or whatever. It's free. And every year, I create this scenario where you're a group of super high level adventurers. You have done everything as it would be. So like in OD&D, you're a fourth level halfling. Like there's no going beyond that. You're fourth level. That's the best you can ever be. Now you go into Sarnath. And, you know, once every 10,000 years, Sarnath reveals itself. And, you know, you go there. In this case, they're going there to prove they are the greatest adventurers. And what I do every year is I basically create a new little chunk of Sarnath. And that's where they explore. So this is, I think, the fifth or sixth one of these I've done. Eventually... I may take all of these and put them together and do like a, a big location adventure. Maybe release it as a zine or something. We'll see. <laughs> right now, they're just fun. And and this one, this year's Sarnath, again, I, if you're a patron, I gave it uh, in, the, uh, in the chat over there. So you guys should have a copy of it. A lot of these I may eventually uh, zip together and zip together, like kind of organize them better and put them up on drive-thru or for whatever, probably pay what you want or something. But right now, I haven't done that, so... Anyways, moving forward, uh, Friday night, I did, no, that was Friday night. Saturday morning, I ran again, which is becoming another tradition. I think this was the third year, so now it's a tradition. Do Space Dragons Breathe Fire? So this is a fun one. This one started off as, so I got a little backstory here, so grab your coffee. It's going to take me a second. Probably four or five years ago, I did a Kickstarter for a DCC supplement called Leopard Women of Venus. This Kickstarter was based on, or the concept for the Kickstarter was based on the art of Fletcher Hanks. So apparently uh, they were an artist, I believe in the 20s. They had a very short run uh, of, a very short run, but very kind of prolific, really. And really odd, zany stuff. Through the Kickstarter, I learned of this artist. I looked up the artist. I, I started reading some of their stuff. I got their book. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes as well. It's really cool, the art book or the book of the comics, I should say. And reading through it, I, I, there was some Space Smith, is one of his uh, heroes, uh, comics, and I thought that they were so good. So I was like, man, I want to run this. I want to run something here. At the same time, you know, I want to run something in that vibe. So I did the Kickstarter, of course. At the same time, another Kickstarter was going on for a zine called Phantasmagoria, which is kind of a, it really caught my eye because that term is really like, again, like a weird talesy, you know, old school sci-fi magazine term. So I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Also DCC. Well, it turns out that Leopard Women of Venus, I didn't love. Did I say Mars before? It's Venus. I didn't love it. It's fine. It's not terrible. I think it's on drive-thru. If I can find it, I'll put it up. But, you know, I find, especially with DCC, it's hard to make a good supplement, or good in my mind anyways. Tons of people make supplements for DCC. 
But I think the flavor of DCC that I love is just DCC. So whenever I get, and again, I'm saying good to me, good for me, good what I like. When I get a new supplement going, I love DCC. And then I look at the supplement and I'm like, eh. I kind of felt that way about MCC too. I have the whole Mutant Crawl Classics collection. I don't know. doesn't do anything for me. So anyways, that's just me and a totally side note. But this Phantasmagoria zine was really neat because there wasn't a whole lot to it. But there was a handful of different, basically, character classes. So I took those character classes and I made some pregens and I made my own adventure based on the Space Smith uh, comics, right? Or one of them, anyways, the first one. And we had a blast. I am 99% sure that this is an actual play. If it is, I will put it up in the in the show. I'll put it in the show notes if you want to watch it, if you like that kind of stuff. It was one of the most fun things I've ever done. It was so silly, so zany, so cartoony. It was great. So I said, well, I got to run this at conventions. Or maybe that was, it might have been actually uh, Son of Cops Con that I ran the first time. But anyways, I uh, <laughs> I decided I'm going to run this more often. And I ran it, I think, once more in DCC. And then I decided to try to run it in other systems. And I decided to run it in OD&D. And what I realized was, while I could run it in OD&D with Chainmail, it needed a lot of tweaking. So I did that. And it was really fun, and I ran it last year, and it was really fun. And uh, basically, I ran it again this year, same way, and again, it was really fun. But I've realized I want to change up the combat system, so I may do an entire podcast about that, because I'm going to create, I'm going to take this adventure and turn it into uh, another zine. It looks like I'm going to have a lot of zines on my plate. Don't hold me to this. Um, That will include all the rules to the game and the adventure. It's super, super fun to play. It's really silly. And I believe that the artwork of Fletcher Hanks is in the public domain, so I'll be able to actually use art from it. And if not, I'll reach out to the publisher and see if I can get copies of it, because the artwork makes it. Whenever I've run it, I always, well, not this year, but generally I show the book. I didn't have it with me this year, but it's really, really funny. So anyways, if you uh, <laughs> if you ever want to play in that with me, let reach out and let me know. I'll, I'll run it for you, so don't obviously don't watch the actual play first. That was Space Dragon. So with that, I finished that up, and I went to play the game that kind of was the one that made me a little bit nervous as I was building up. It's called Gaslight. I don't remember if I mentioned that or not. Uh, it's the word Gaslight, but with a period between each letter because it spells something glorious, adventures, blah, blah, blah. And it's a miniatures game. And I was I was having trouble finding the pulp miniatures that I wanted, and I got 15 millimeter ones, and I was kind of under the gun uh, painting them. The system's not that difficult, but I've never really strictly run a miniatures game like this. And also, to, to to add a little bit more pressure on it, there was only four slots in the game, and one filled up right away, and three were empty up until like a week or so before GaryCon, like they, maybe a week and a half. I was thinking to myself, no way signing up for this game. I mean, luckily, I would have run it for the one player. It would have been totally fine. But what ended up happening was my friend Nikki was like, well, you know what, I don't have anything during that time slot, so I'll I'll sign up as well, and then you'll have two players, right? And so I was like, cool. So I have two players. I know I'm good to go. And then again, like a week and a half or so before GaryCon, the other two slots filled up. And we noticed there was somebody in the waiting list. So she had said, well, maybe I'll drop out of the game, whatever. And I said, well, let's see if they all show up. Because sometimes at cons, people don't show up. Not only did everybody show up, but the person for the waiting list showed up and was standing there, which was perfect because basically what I did was uh, Nikki volunteered to play the bad guys. She had already kind of played a little bit of Gaslight with me. So it was good to have her there kind of working the the uh, enemies, if you will, while I was refereeing and teaching the system. I got to say, I really like the system. I haven't played like Warhammer or uh, any of these other like miniature skirmish games 
well, I don't know, I guess kill team is the skirmish one. I, people that know that will tell me, but basically I haven't played any of that stuff, but this was super fun. It was really easy and it was, I made a cup, you know, fun little kind of simple scenario. And next year I need to use more terrain because I was keeping it as simple as possible because I kind of <laughs> was low on time. I ended up uh, buying like a little tank that we used. We used all the 15 millimeter miniatures. I had a, a, a dinosaur and a, and a, a like King Kong, but Nikki, we kept calling it not King Kong. So we wouldn't get uh, sued for IP. You know, it was like a joke um, combat. It was really, really fun. Just like every bit of pulp you could think of jammed into one. The great, great group really had a blast. So that was Saturday night. Then <laughs> we were going out to dinner on Saturday night to the chop house, which is very good. I'll say it's in the, the Grand Geneva. It is probably the premium restaurant is the way I'll say is that the nice way to say it. If you want a really good steak and you're okay with spending some money, it, it's a pretty good place to go. But anyways, we went there, a bunch of us, like it was like 15 of us all went. And then uh, my friend Andy uh, of uh, Grizzly Peaks Radio fame, uh, you know, was like, hey, Daniel, you know, I'm not playing any games. Uh, you want to run something for me? And I was like, I'll run OD&D if you'd like. He had actually said this earlier on the call. He didn't say it that night. But then that day, we're, that night we were having dinner and he's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to play the game tonight. You know, I want it to be weird and I want my character to die. And I'm like, oh great. <laughs> that is not what I had planned. And so what I ended up doing was after dinner, you know, and we all had a couple of beers, we went up to top to basically uh, found a private table area where it was a little more quiet because it was Saturday night can be a little bit, uh, you know, noisy in the bar. And uh, <laughs> I did the, the Tim Cask thing. So if you've ever heard of Tim Cask's um, thing that he does, it's called the Wheel of Blame. Effectively, he asks each of the players to give him a, uh, he gives them a slip of paper and they each write two things on it. So I had actually played in this style and then he creates the adventure around that. Now I had actually played in this style of game the very first Gary Khan I went to because Frank Menzner did it and he gave, of course, the credit to Tim Cask. He's like, Oh, you know, I learned this from my friend Tim Cask, and this is what what he did, and it seemed really fun. So I did it a little bit more like measured it. My understanding is the way Tim Cask does it is that if you, let's say, Jason, who hey Jason, I hope you're listening, uh, you know, gives me an index card with his two things on it, that's one scene. So there's basically one scene for each player. I mean, everybody plays in every scene, but they form it around that player's things. The way Frank Menzner did it was everybody just gave individual. So people gave like basically, I think there was like eight people. They gave like 16 slips of paper and I just shuffled them together and just ran them randomly. So it, like one of Jason's ideas might've been with, you know, one of Joe Richter's ideas or one of my ideas, well, not one of my ideas. I was a GM, but whatever you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. There was, <laughs> there was a fight early on where they had, I they had got this, somebody had written down Minotaur steak and I was like, okay, well, you know, somebody's going to sell them this, this piece of meat and say it's a steak from a Minotaur. And if they, cook it a very specific way. They'll get magical powers from it. So of course, you know, they're all debating about how you cook things, you know, as, uh, as people do. And they ended up not cooking it the way that, <laughs> that they suggested. And then, then like summoned this like really pissed off Minotaur who was, you know, not very happy because if you read the OD&D rules, we all know what a Minotaur is. It's a bullheaded man. So this bullheaded man was not happy. And uh, <laughs> he was like, I challenge because one of the player characters was being a wise guy. He's like, I challenge you to a one-on-one -on -one combat. <laughs> and he was like, fine. So everybody just like steps back and he's like, I don't have a weapon. Does anybody have a weapon? And one of the other players gave him his magical mace. <laughs> so needless to say, the Minotaur <laughs> did a pretty good job. Eventually the whole party jumped on the Minotaur and, and, and took him out. But 
And then they cut a piece of meat off of them and cooked it the right way and got the magic power that they needed. So that's probably, I should have given a, a warning there, maybe. but you know, it was, it, it was all done in good fun and, and silliness and it wasn't anything, uh, you know, gratuitous or anything. So anyways, uh, though there was some conversation about if you eat a Minotaur because they're part man, there was a whole conversation about that. But what we found out was that you don't mess with the Minotaur and you make sure you cook them the right way. So we had a lot of fun with that game. You know, Andy did not die, though he did almost die from a bunch of carnivorous uh, insects that uh, basically ate his nose off and he ran fleeing from the dungeon. Anyways, that was Saturday night and that went till like 1.30 in the morning. And uh, then I went back to my room and crashed. And I got up for Sunday for my final game. On Sundays, I always run. I, well, always. This is now a tradition because I think this is the fourth year in a row I've done it. I run what I call to slay a dragon. And this is effectively... Uh, first level characters fighting a dragon. And I've been running it in OD&D lately. And it's funny because the first time that I decided to run it in OD&D, I did not realize that, well, by my own rules, that <laughs> I wasn't thinking, I should say, that first level characters absolutely cannot kill a dragon because they are they are unhittable by anything less than a hero. But of course, there's ways around that. So the whole thing, it's kind of like a funnel, but they're not zero level, they're first level. The Each player gets four characters. They choose one of the four to go on a various quests. There's four total quests, so every player gets to go on every quest with one of their players. And in the end, they take the items from the quests, which then allow them to actually have a chance against the dragon. Once again, they slayed the dragon. I uh, I wonder if I'm being too easy on them. <laughs> Probably not. Well, actually, at one point, one of the players, all their characters had died, so I said, well, you can run the dragon, and I feel like they might have been being easy on the rest of the players. But, you know, that's okay. Sometimes dragons... <laughs> Maybe you aren't so smart, but no, no, she played it fair, I think. In any case, it was really fun, and I made a dragon out of, uh, I had a bunch of candy. <laughs> so we made this, like, giant candy dragon, and everybody was, like, playing as Hershey's Kisses and stuff. So it was, it was super fun to just be, like, really, you know, the most simplistic form of, like, D&D, like, just all theater of the mind with little bits of stuff on the table when we wanted to move something around. And it was awesome. I, I really liked that game. I think it's really fun. I may continue to run it in OD&D. I may, my original plan was to always run it in different systems. The very first time I ran it was in BX. I, I ran a version of it in Hyperborea because there's no dragons in Hyperborea. So I ran it, to, they, I think they had to kill a Chimera. I didn't do it at the convention, but I ran it, you know, just for local people. So yeah, I, I think I may switch it up and play it in a different system next year. I'm not sure. I mean, people seem to have fun in OD&D, so maybe it's not, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. So I'm pretty excited. I am running four games currently at Gen Con this year. So we have DaveCon coming up in a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, it's so close to GaraCon. I just can't swing both cons this, this year. I may look into doing that next year. It looks really, really fun. Lots of cool games at DaveCon. Last I checked, Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast was running some Boot Hill there, which I'm super jealous because I would love to go play in his Boot Hill game there, even though I've already played in that scenario. It was so fun. So have fun there, Jason, at DaveCon. And my next con will likely be Gen Con, which is in August. I have the temptation to go to North Texas, and a lot of people have told me I should go to it. But it's in June, and I just don't think I've put aside enough cash flow, if they will, to go to North Texas. So I'm going to try to do that in 2024 and check it out. Maybe not go to Gen Con and do North Texas instead. I've heard it's great. I really enjoy going to cons. It's great meeting new people. It's great running these types of games because they're they're different than what I normally run. I talk about this a little bit in the uh, Monsters and Treasure with KR, so I won't get too deeply into it. But 
the game you run at a con is much different, in my opinion, than the game that you run even as a one-shot for your regular group. A con game is something special and unique, and they're really fun, really fun to plan, really fun to run. So I'm going to try to hit as many cons as I can. Like I said, I've got Gen Con in August. I'm already running four games there, or I'll be running Boot Hill, the good, the bad, and the orcish. I am also running uh, In Search of King Arneson's Mines, which I'm going to do my uh, outdoor survival with OD&D. I'm running, I believe, Goblin's Gate again, which I ran last year, which is OD&D, and then I'm using two millimeter miniatures and doing some chainmail battles. And I cannot remember what the fourth game is right now. <laughs> it might be Space Dragons again. We'll find out. I'll have to look at my thing. But they're already all in the uh, the list there. If you go to Gen Con, check me out. I'll mention it, I'm sure, before then. After that, I'll probably do ShireCon, which is in September. That's up in Massachusetts. It's just the one, I guess it might be two days this year. Well, Friday night and then Saturday. That's a super, super fun con. If you are close enough to go to ShireCon, I 100% recommend it. It is, yeah, it's small, you know, 100 people, 150 people, whatever. It's pretty, I, I don't know the exact number, but that just makes it amazing because it's like a bunch of friends, a whole bunch of friends. Some of us just meeting for the first time. Most of us maybe just meeting for the first time, just hanging out and having a great time playing some games in the fall in Massachusetts where it's just beautiful. So anyways, that should be it for me now. A little bit long, this one I know, and didn't really talk about anything but GaryCon. If you want me to hear more about like the ideas of GaryCon and the community and stuff like that, uh, make sure you listen to Monsters and Treasure. I'll put a link down in the show notes. I do have a bunch of calls. I don't think I'm going to add them to this one because it's already kind of long and I'm kind of tired. <laughs> you know, I have, I have what they call a con drop going on because I didn't actually get home until Thursday. So immediately recorded Monsters and Treasure, had a bunch of stuff to catch up on, and now it's Saturday, and I didn't want to be two weeks without a podcast. Oh, I will also say, as a final note here, if you made it this way to the end, if you're following my blog, and you have no, probably noticed I haven't put up any Dungeon 23 stuff in a while, I have been doing it. I have my little notebook. I brought it with me. Every morning, I threw two six-siders and made a note of what was in each room. I drew the little dungeon uh, on Sunday last week, and I'll do a dungeon tomorrow and hopefully put both of those up this week because I've been doing it. I think it's really fun. I, I find the challenge of Dungeon 23 to be good because it even when I don't feel like it, although it, <laughs> I always feel like it, but even if I don't feel like it, I, I still do it. Like at, at GaryCon, I was so, you know, so full of games, right? I didn't need to do any extra gaming, but it was still fun to sit down. I took my shower, grabbed my cup of coffee in the morning and just sat down for 10 minutes and rolled a couple six-siders and uh, marked down what was in the room, came up with some ideas, rolled up the treasure or whatever it might be, and uh, got my day started. So if you're not following that, that's also going to be in the show notes. So should be a lot of stuff in the show notes this week, or I will forget to put anything in the show notes, and you can just reach out to me. All the ways to reach me, of course, are in the show notes. Basically, join my Discord or reach out to me on one of the Discords I'm on, send me an email, or I guess you could tweet at me too. Don't tweet at me. Eh, tweet at me if you want. One last thing about Gary Khan that I'll mention. So, you know, I have so many RPG books and adventures and you go to these cons. It's just so great to look at all of them. But I got a couple of cool new things this year. I got Buck Rogers War or Battle for the 25th Century. I think is the name of it. It's an old TSR, I guess, miniature board game would be the way I'd describe it. I haven't actually tried it yet. Um, it looks really cool. I plan on giving some play tests, and if I love it, that's going to become a convention game for me because I'm loving running board games or playing board games at conventions, so I want to see what it's like to run one. And I also got Masters of the Universe 
battle set, I think it's called. I'll find both these items and put links to them in the show notes, but um, it's a miniatures skirmish game for two players, I, I guess. It's it, right now. It looks like they only have the one starter box, which is what I have. It comes with a bunch of uh, you know He-Man figures, uh, boards, and cards, dice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I guess you battle you know He-Man and, and crew versus Skeletor and crew. Looks super fun. It's definitely a project uh, because it's one of those like Warhammer type things where you got to like build the minis and paint them and everything. It, because it can only be for two players, I don't think I'll ever run it at a convention, but it'll be super fun to play at home. So I'm looking forward to putting that together and I'll probably talk about that at some point. So I'll put those both down there too. Obviously the Buck Rogers game, you'd have to, I guess, seek out on eBay if you were looking for it. The Masters of the Universe game though is a game that is currently in production. Thanks so much for listening this long. Looks like we're going to be like half an hour long. Whoosh. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out the link to my Patreon in the show notes below with all the other stuff in the show notes. In any case, I'll talk to you soon.